This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, July 21st, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, or TABOR, has a checkered past, but it's hard to doubt a strong tax and spending limitation actually does limit state taxes and spending. Colorado's limitation is back in effect, and in a world of tight budgets, Cato adjunct scholar Michael New believes it's time for states to again reconsider a proven way to constrain government spending. Tabor is Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. Uh, Taxpayers' Bill of Rights is uh, America's best and most effective uh, fiscal limit uh, that was actually enacted in 1992 in the great state of Colorado. And uh, during the 90s, it was a, a great success story. Uh, that, again, it was the most stringent uh, fiscal limit that we had in place at the time. And it had three features that made it effective. Uh, just some background. I mean, uh, libertarians have tried in the past to enact a, put effective kind of fiscal limitations in place in many other states. And for the most part, most researchers, including me, agree that most of these previous attempts really didn't work well or really didn't work that well long term. Uh, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, however, had three characteristics that made it unique. Uh, the first characteristic was it set a, a low limit. Uh, a lot of these 70s-era limits just were set too high and didn't really constrain government much. But the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights said that revenue could grow at inflation plus population. That's a low limit, and that was one of the reasons why it was effective. Another reason why it was effective is it was constitutional. Uh, many of the limits we have in place are statutory. Uh, they can be raised or amended or weakened. Uh, but since Tabor was part of the state constitution, uh, it was a lot more sturdy, a lot more durable, and couldn't be done away with. Either the legislature often didn't like it. Uh, the third reason, and probably the most important reason why Tabor was effective, uh, was its rebate provisions. Uh, Tabor had a very unique provision that stated when revenue came in over and above the Tabor limit, uh, that it would trigger immediate rebates to taxpayers. So essentially starting in 1997 for the first time, revenues came in over and above the limit. And between 1997 and 2001, Colorado taxpayers got tax rebates every year from the state government, uh, a total of $3.2 billion over that five-year span. Uh, during this time, Tabor easily, or Colorado easily leads the country in tax reductions, and they are among the leaders in economic growth this time. So during the late 90s and into the early part of this decade, uh, the Colorado's Taxpayers' Bill of Rights was really seen as a, a great success story for, for libertarians as a limit that was really able to uh, you know, restrict government growth and provide tax relief and help grow the Colorado economy. One of the aspects of Tabor that when I've talked to some people is that you, for the most part, have to get this plan approved through the legislature. Um, and some people have argued that instead of arguing on behalf of Tabor, it might be better to argue on behalf of ballot initiatives so that then you could uh, just get it get it through that way. What is the likelihood that a legislature is actually going to going to go for this? Uh, I think the likelihood is slim and none, and slim just left town, to be honest. I think that my own research for Cato, I did a study on spending limits for Cato back in uh, it came out, I guess, in December of 2001, and it actually showed very clearly that the kind of fiscal limits that legislatures enact really don't do much at all. Uh, they tend to be a much higher. They tend to be much weaker on a variety of different levels. Uh, basically, most legislatures don't have the incentive to place uh, long-term binding constraints on their own ability to tax and spend. They may like to do something symbolic. They may do something in the short term. But they're not going to put you know, long-term uh, restraints on their own ability to tax and spend. Every 
fiscal limit that's been effective long-term has been passed through the CIS initiative process, that people who design these initiatives uh, really want to put limits in place that are effective. They're often sponsored by taxpayer groups, and they tend to be the most effective. I mean, Colorado's Taxpayers' Bill of Rights is the best example of that. There have been some other good limits as well that no quite not quite as famous. Uh, Washington State's I-601 did some good in Washington State in the 90s. Uh, California's GAN limit uh, did some good in California during the 80s. Um, and these are all that were passed by the initiative process. So I think it's very clear that if you want to pass the effective limitation on government, your really only recourse is to use a citizen initiative. Uh, you really cannot expect the legislature to bind themselves in this way. One other proposal, I guess, that is a variation on a, a spending limit, I guess effectively it would be a spending limit. Um, well, first of all, a lot of legislatures use the predictions of their government-employed economists to tell them, well, we rev- we expect revenue to grow at this rate, and lawmakers, with that information in hand, then pass a budget without having the revenue in hand, and it may or may not actually come in, so states do end up spending more than even they expected to. What of the idea that lawmakers be prohibited from spending any more than they took in two years ago? three years ago in terms of revenue. I mean, I think that's uh, an interesting sort of a proposal that I haven't really studied all that carefully. I really can't think of, uh, you know, any sort of, um, you know, state that really has been quite like that in place. I mean, it seems that, uh, you know, one thing I've looked at with both, you know, revenue limits and, and spending limits, you know, you need to set uh, a low limit and something that would, you know, prohibit the state from spending, you know, some percentage only along revenue or expenditures grow at a certain percentage, a low percentage of 1%, 2%, 3%, you know, that's something that would have real teeth. Uh, but you'd have to make sure it did a couple things for it to be effective. First, you would have to make sure it's constitutional, because again, if it's statutory, the legislature will try to find a way to put loopholes in it or to, you know, amend or weaken parts of it. And it really helps to have some kind of provision for rebates in place that, you know, one thing I've noticed is that legislatures often feel as if they can just get away with ignoring these limits. If you state that expenditures can grow only 3% a year, and the legislature spends 4%, at the end of the day, most people just aren't really going to care that much. But if that extra spending took somebody's tax rebate away from them or made sure they got less of a tax rebate, all of a sudden people start caring. You know, watchdogs and taxpayer groups have a better chance to or gonna, you know, care a lot more, and that just sort of makes the limit self-enforcing. So I think that uh, you know it's a good idea, but it has to have some additional provisions to really have some, some teeth. Given the, the budget problems that so many states are having, uh, and that will be going forward, sort of structural in nature, talking about state pensions, uh, likely expansions of Medicaid in the coming years and things like that. Um, Is this a better time to call for that kind of uh, limitation on the growth of spending? It seems like a a tougher sell now. Well, I think actually, you know, there's it's always a good time for call for spending limits. But quite honestly, I think this is actually an excellent time because I think you have a lot of situations where states are running structural deficits. Uh, There's going to be a lot of states that are probably going to pursue tax increases. And these kinds of fiscal limits tend to do the best when people are upset with tax hikes. Uh, so I think that uh, certainly the one Washington State, I-601, that was passed right after a big tax hike. Uh, there was no big tax hike to trigger Colorado's Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. But in general, you just seem to have a lot more frustration about government growth when people see their tax bill go up. And I think that uh, certainly classical liberals and libertarians should uh, target those states where there's kind of the most visible anger uh, over recent tax increases. In the experience with Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, also they're also called TELs, I guess, mm-hmm. T-E-L, uh, since 2000. 
Well, what happened in Colorado was uh, was unfortunate. Uh, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights for a long time was seen as a great success story, and it was interesting. The uh, other team uh, really disliked Taxpayers' Bill of Rights a great deal. The media, the Democratic Party, the unions, they kept on trying to find a way to damage or undermine it. And what they did was that um, every year, or almost every year, from like 1993 to 1999, they would have a proposal in place to uh, spend more money over and above the Tabor limit. And what would happen is people would see these things on the ballot and they would realize pretty quickly that um, essentially if they agreed to the spending increase, that would cut into the size of their tax rebate and they would vote no almost every time. So essentially what happened was the other team uh, got smart and they realized they couldn't defeat the taxpayers' bill of rights straight up. So what they did is in 2000, they passed Amendment 23 to the Colorado State Constitution. And Amendment 23 was an education spending mandate that had two very bad provisions. The first bad provision was it required that K-12 education spending grow faster than the Tabor limit and would effectively squeeze out kind of other uh, functions of government. The second bad provision has it required these spending increases even when revenues fell. So 2001 rolls around, and three bad things happened in 2001. You have the September 11th disaster, uh, which uh, you know obviously hurts the economy. And uh, you have just sort of a cyclical kind of economic slowdown around 2001. And you also have the worst drought in Colorado's history. And all of these things combined to uh, reduce revenues in Colorado by about $1 billion between 2001 and 2003. That's about 15% of the budget. While revenues are falling by about a billion dollars, the state still has to spend $450 million more on education because of this education spending mandate. So that obviously causes a lot of fiscal pressure, fiscal pressure that everybody seemed to misleadingly blame on the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, which is really unfair. I mean, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights didn't cause revenue to collapse by a billion dollars. It certainly didn't cause the education spending increases. But the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, sad to say, just bore uh, the brunt of the blame. So what happens in 2005 is that uh, the other team gets together and they put together a proposal that would suspend Tabor's revenue limit for five years. And this is known as, as Referendum C. It was a very uh, hard-fought campaign. Uh, people who supported Referendum C spent you know, millions upon millions of dollars, uh, far outspending the money spent by Tabor supporters. And it wins a fairly narrow victory, gets about 53% of the vote, and that suspends the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights limit for five years. And it's been bad for several reasons. Uh, first, Colorado taxpayers have missed out on uh, probably about $3.6 billion in tax rebates they otherwise would have gotten. Uh, even though the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights limit is back, it's at a higher level than it was previously. So looks like taxpayers are going to miss out another uh, $1.4 billion uh, because of that, uh, which is a bad thing as well. But probably the worst thing is it's really damaged Tabor's reputation. People, unfortunately, view Tabor as a failure. They view Tabor as something that Colorado voters proceed to reject in 2005. And that's made it very difficult to pass similar initiatives elsewhere. I mean, we've tried in other states, uh, whether it was California, Schwarzenegger expressed some interest in it, but backed away. We've had proposals in Nebraska that didn't work. Uh, we were pretty close in Maine. Uh, we couldn't get quite the votes there we needed. So unfortunately, the Tabor brand has, has really been damaged. And the good news is that as of July 1st, uh, Taxpayers' Bill of Rights is back in Colorado. Uh, tax rebates won't happen this year. Uh, I think they're projected to start sometime in fiscal 2013. But I think that the return of the Taxpayer' Bill of Rights uh, marks an important first step in rehabilitating its reputation. And I think there's a lot to brighten the prospects of similar, similar fiscal limits nationwide. Michael New is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work on state taxes and spending at Cato.org.